How is it with your soul this morning? I know that this has been a, a tough week. And today's, this morning's news doesn't make it any easier. And somehow in all of this, uh, the light of Christ continues to shine. See, we flew in from Germany from uh, through Toronto uh, Friday night, August the 25th. Just ahead of all the, the flight cancellations and the days after we arrived home have been some of the longest days I can remember in quite some time. I know probably like, like most of you, we spent the really rainy days of the storm hunkered down, as we like to say, here in Texas. But when the time came to get back into action, I know Angela made her way into work knowing that they would need to be ready for this coming onslaught of vermin and fungus and E. coli and mold and mildew that were breeding in these soggy homes left behind by the floodwaters. So she went to work and I made my way to the clinic. Seems like I had to drive the long way around the barn to get there because the usual paths were closed but our task was to prepare for this onslaught of tetanus and illness and injury that comes with these kinds of disasters and this past Thursday and Friday I spent time looking uh, at flooded areas with our disaster response team and with the city and county officials uh, just to determine how we might best be able to respond uh, as a church, uh, as the Methodist Church, and also uh, as a, uh, a health care organization uh, with the clinic. And I brought a disaster response medical team in from Kansas. Uh, they're here now. They'll go to work next week um, to supplement clinic staff and the, and the response effort of the church. Um, they're bringing with them medical supplies and medicine. Um, and as I talked with the disaster response coordinator that came in Friday to kind of get the lay of the land, um, her assessment after having been in these kinds of situations all over the globe over many, many years is that uh, the weeks to come will test us. Um, the floodwaters are receding, but what they leave behind is, is something far worse than really what we can imagine. And so we will need to rely on the strength of Jesus rather than our own strength as we try to continue to be the church to people. Now, Friday evening, I drove home through Kingwood, and I have to tell you, that place looks like a war zone. Piles of moldy furniture and carpet and sheetrock and people in the streets sorting through the muck for traces of their former lives. There was a woman walking down the street and I could see the tears streaming down her face and another neighbor came up to console her. And I thought that is the function of the church. To be a shoulder. 
And I know there are a lot of folks that I have talked to that are saying, you know, the floodwaters didn't touch us and I feel guilty that I'm not doing enough. And I have to tell folks that that express that because that's an honest feeling. Uh, I feel like I can't do enough. But you have to realize that God's favor on you was for a purpose so that now you don't have to focus on tearing out your own carpet and sheetrock now you can focus your attention on other people and so embrace that don't look at it as uh, something that you should feel guilty about that the flood water didn't inundate your home look at it as special purpose and assignment from God for you now that you don't have to focus on making sure your family has a roof over their heads now you can focus on being the church to other people who didn't fare as well let the guilt go and as I saw this woman embracing this other woman and thought you know this is what the church is all about it also occurred to me in some fleeting thought that it seems like a lifetime ago that I was in Germany. It seems like a different person that was standing there. And if you'll allow me to digress just a minute, I want to tell you that some of the most significant places that we visited during our time there were the churches. It it strikes me that churches dot the landscape throughout Germany. Every small town has at least one and it rises above these picturesque houses and green sound of music looking hills towering above everything around it. Modest little towns with these incredible churches. These tall spires with big clocks and bells that ring out the time of day and herald special events and Sunday morning as if it's a national holiday just ring out across the countryside. See, these larger towns and cities have these magnificent churches with tall towers and spires and some have more than one spire and some are crowned with gold crosses or statues of angels or saints it's some of the most spectacular architecture you will ever see these structures have these flying buttresses if you know what these are they're big arms that stretch out from the walls of the church and touch the ground as if to support the very weight of the church And they have statues on the walls and gargoyles up in the corners of the buildings. And they have these huge stained glass windows. And the interiors are in most cases ornate with gold leaf and painted ceilings and hand-carved statuary and altars. And in most cases, above all else, they're all really, really old. And it's hard for us to imagine the longevity of some of these structures in this country. I mean, when you think that we're approaching 250 years here, some of these structures were from the 11th century. 
There was a, a chapel that we visited in Nuremberg that was from 1060 AD, if you can imagine. Why is that significant at all? Well, the thing that strikes me most significantly is that God and the church as his representative on earth were the center of life. A thousand years ago when some of these towns were established, usually at the base of some kind of castle or stronghold, the church was one of the first structures constructed. As the years progressed and newer towns were settled, the townspeople would all come together to build their place of worship in much the same way that this edifice was built by the people that attend the church. Because church was primary, it was essential, it was important. The other thing that strikes me is that they worship the same God we do here in this church. Right here in countryside, same God. Ocean separates continents, but it's the same God. The same Father, the same Son, the same Holy Spirit. The God they worship is the same God we worship. And we had the privilege of entering some of these churches, and we visited, and in some cases, Mass or service, depending on what denomination the church was, was going on when we entered. And we visited this one particularly large church in Rothenburg, which is an old walled city. And the mass was sparsely attended. There were just a few people participating. And while there were a few people scattered out in the old wooden pews there were actually more tourists around the edges looking at the church. Some were being quiet and respectful, others not so much. But the mass was still going on regardless of whatever was on the periphery. And so we sat down in the pew and we listened to the priest who was speaking in German and it struck me, something's changed. If you look at all the churches that were the center of life in all of these communities, and now this little sparsely attended service was going on. And I wondered, what has changed? What had changed in the culture and the mindset of the people of Germany so that their lives no longer centered around God and the church? How had the church, which was once the city, the center of life in every German town and city, how had it become little more to the culture than a historic relic or a tourist attraction? Because God hadn't changed. The church is still the bride of Christ, is still the manifestation of God's work in the world. All that's still true. So what is it that has changed? And so clearly what changed is the culture. The decline of the church in Europe is the result of a generation after generation moving away from God because of this 
pervasive attitude of self-centeredness. Where once God and the church were primary, now God and the church are for most of the people of Europe not even on their radar. The culture is secular. It's universalist. And if they acknowledge God at all, they'll more likely tell you that all religions are the same and that you can find your own path to heaven. And so, the other thing that entered my thoughts as we sat there during that Mass was that the same creeping culture that's permeated the Church of Europe is at work here. And if it weren't so, these chairs would be full. And the reality is that here in this country, in this culture, there are so many things that pull our lives away from the church and from the mission that God ordained for the church. Our business is not the business of the prevailing culture. Our business is that of saving souls. And if we ever lose sight of that purpose, then we cease to be the church. There's a point to this. And I apologize for my cadence in in this. It's just, I suddenly feel the burden of everything that has transpired. What I want to tell you is that the mission of the church is unchanging just as God is unchanging. Saving souls has been the work of the church, is the work of the church, and will be the work of the church until Jesus Christ returns to take us home. Without that mission firmly established in the mindset of the church as a whole, then this building, this edifice, becomes little more than a community center, little more than a social service agency, an activity center. In every ministry we do, in every service we provide, in every box of food we distribute, if we forget our primary mission of soul saving, then we might as well become a tourist attraction. The only thing is our spire is not nearly so majestic. Our building is not so ornate and our bell is not that melodious that it would attract people. People come here not to see the ornateness of our fixtures, but because there is a very real presence of the Holy Spirit here, and that's what people need more than anything these days. So what's the point? Well, with all this water slowly receding all around us and all the destruction that the floods have left behind, Why would I be talking about the decline of church in Europe and here at home? Well, here's the point. As we reflect on the events of this last week, if we look closely enough, we can see that even an an event of this magnitude, an event of this magnitude has an eroding effect on the prevailing culture. You've seen it. What was in the news media prior to this? Nothing but hateful rhetoric. 
the prevailing culture was so bent on hate. Now, I'm not saying God caused the flood because I don't believe that for a moment. Floods happen because we live in a fallen and broken world. Okay? Let's get that straight. But Almighty God will use this and has already used it to wash away so much venom and animosity and hate between people. The secular culture is ill-equipped to handle the spiritual and emotional needs of the mass of humanity that's emerging from these floodwaters. The government can't handle the emotional, spiritual needs. The city, the county, nothing can handle the emotional and spiritual needs of the people coming out of these floodwaters except for the church being the church and taking the message of the gospel of hope to the people. And so now is the time for the church to step in and fill the void. Now is the time for the church to rise up and be the church so that the light of Christ shines brightly over all the muck and the mire and the destruction of lives and property. Now is the time for the church to be the ark that takes people to higher spiritual ground. And we have to re-emphasize this soul-saving missional mindset of our little country church. I want us to once again be the hub around which this community revolves. I want to see revival come to Splendora because of the shining light radiating from the people of Countryside United Methodists. And when we ring our bell on Sunday morning, I want it to be the dinner bell for people in this community who are hungry for Christ and hungry for the Word. Hungry for fellowship and communion with the God who created them. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And His church, this church, should be a shining reflection of that truth. Not a relic of time gone by. Not a culturally relevant church of the present. Not just a church full of people waiting, huddled within the walls for the last shoe to drop. We are called to be the church. So let's rise to the occasion like a spire rising from the countryside as a beacon for everyone to see. That is my hope this church for all of us we're going to let go of the survivor's guilt we're going to embrace the favor that God has shown us so that we're not focusing on rebuilding our homes but we're focused on the lives of other people around us that is our mission in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen